Welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast, the nature-based show hosted by me, Jack Perks. Each week I'm joined by a guest from the world of wildlife television, art and science. We take a light-hearted look into what makes these people tick and connect with the natural world so strongly, with new episodes out every Tuesday. This week I'm joined by wildlife photographer Dan Rushton. Dan is based in Dorset and quite frankly is a master at fieldcraft, getting closer to species like roe deer, peregrine and red fox, which he has a special affinity for. If you can, there's a link in the description to buymeacoffee.com and you can help the podcast by donating £3 to keep it going. This really helps me out because it means I can afford my alcohol addiction, which also feeds into the podcast. If you could also leave a review, that really helps the podcast out. I'm not really an alcoholic, just I feel like I need to make that clear, otherwise people will uh, think that I'm being serious. If you could also leave a review, that would really help the podcast out. iTunes, Spotify, others that I presume are out there, uh, it really helps it all out. We talk about what fieldcraft really means in wildlife photography, the use of commercial hides and Dan's views on them, and how starting off in a gamekeeping background helped his photography, as well as mentioning the deer overpopulation and really how they should be culled. Here's our chat. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me. It's um, <laughs> I've been wanting to do this for a while. I was trying to think how we met, just so people got some context for this. Yeah. So it was in London, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I think it was some um, kind of NAF competition for... Is it Go Think Big? Was that a thing? Oh, I don't know. You can remember the name, can't yeah, you? Yeah, I think it was something like that. Yeah, it, it was... Um, there was a few of us, wasn't there? Yeah, but you're I, the only you're the only one that stuck out to me. Well, you know, I try. <laughs> Once met, never forgot. That, that skimpy skirt that you were wearing, I was like, I couldn't couldn't I do, say no. I do try. And then we sort of kept in touch a little bit, mm. and then didn't see each other for years. Yeah. And then a couple of years ago, we went back to Scotland. That's right. Did a bit of a shoot. Realised how much of a deviant. You are, wow. and yeah. I am, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and it was good. And that was got us back into it. Yeah, I thought we'd um, start at the beginning, really, about what what is fieldcraft in wildlife photography because people talk about it, but I feel like no mm. one kind of defines what it is. Yeah, it seems to be the sort of thing that um, every every it's kind of a bit of a cliche. People mm. say, "What's the most important thing? Fieldcraft. What's that? Not a clue." To me, it's basically spending the time. Mo- uh, fair percentage of the time away from the field learning about what you want to go after first and foremost reading up on it and kind of researching it then that'll put you in a better position when you actually get out into the field to try and uh, go after what you want but yeah it's basically just the knowledge of what you want to find as well as being able to read the signs that the critters are leaving behind and I guess, I suppose you could read a book, but it's the mm. sort of thing you could easily learn by just going out and seeing yeah. it and observing it. Yeah, absolutely, it. yeah. There's always, I've always said it from the, from starting photography that time outside is never time wasted. There's always something to see, always something to yeah. see, um, watch and, and learn. You, you'll never come back disappointed. There's always something new. And I guess even if you don't see something, presumably you learn from that as well. It's like, oh, well, the conditions yeah, weren't absolutely. great. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, so. yeah, 100%. Yeah, there's, there's always so many variables. 
always learn something, even if it's a new new set of tracks you found yeah. going through a different gap under a different hedge. Yeah, so it's always more often than not the small things you learn and notice. Yeah, that, that makes, can make the difference next time. Makes sense, definitely. And one of the things you've done uh, a lot of, or, or or you get kind of pigeonholed with a little bit, is the is the foxes. But yeah. So how did you get the foxes used to you? Because you're you're not using bait, are you? I think everyone probably assumes, oh, he's just chucking out a yeah. chicken's anus or, <laughs> or whatever. But you don't do that, do you? No, no. I've, my graveyard foxes, I've, from the moment I started working there, and when I first met Anne, the um, original fox, the OG of the graveyard. <laughs> They've all got names, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anne, I first met her, and um, just straight away, I don't know why, but was fine with me being around. I kind of, I worked with her for a little a little while, maybe a couple of months before I found that she had cubs. They were fine with me from the off, and it was from then that I decided if I'm going to work with urban foxes in this little kind of um, small area of the graveyard, I that I was n- not going to feed them because it was something I could see from the start that could be a long term project. I wanted it to be. Uh, I wanted a relationship built around mutual respect intrigue and uh, i think that well at the time i thought that would show through the photographs i was getting and um it has proven to be the case yeah well dan i'm lucky that dan's taken me out to see these foxes and they it's all i mean you probably know this better than me but it's they want to see you yeah they like come up to Uh they're going out of their business to come and say oh here's big old friendly dan let's go (laughs) Let's go say hello to Dan, and it, it was just mental watching that. Yeah, with you. Yeah, I've, was, whenever I I post on my socials videos and and things of them coming over to me, or I'll be walking around the graveyard and they'll be walking up behind me, just following me round, and I say that they do, like you just said, come out of their way to come and see me. I always get messages like, "Oh, what are you feeding them?" Mm. Like, nope, I never wanted to because I didn't want. I didn't want to be seen as just a food source. I wanted them to actively come and go out of their way to find me and spend time with me. And um, yeah, I've achieved that through. It's, 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 it wasn't the easiest way of doing it. It took a lot. I, th- well, my, I think I'm in my fourth year with them this year. And um, it took a lot of time just sat down there with without my camera sometimes on miserable wet and windy Sunday evenings in the winter when it gets dark about half past three. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it was it was the long road, but it it's paid dividends in the long run. Because I guess with food, presumably the foxes will just come in, grab the food and fuck off. They've got no reason to stay yeah, they've got more the food. Yeah, more or less, yeah. Um, yeah. As is often the case. Yeah, and uh, like for example, I know some people scatter handfuls of um, peanuts and dog food out in front of in front of foxes in some situations like that oh, to and, get them um, to stay longer sort of thing yeah right, and okay. um you can you can see in the results result in photographs that they you can see a the food on the ground yeah and then the just just the poses they're doing you instantly know that they've got a mouthful of something right okay and um yeah all of my photos have just been completely natural yeah um just them wanting to be around me and um well, yeah what struck me was um is it handsome? Is that yeah, the, the boy handsome? One yeah, of the boy, the big boy. When he came in and he <laughs> just curled up and went to sleep in front of you. Yeah. So he's obviously so comfortable with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's happy to sleep out in the open mm-hmm. with you pointing a camera. Yeah, you know. yeah. And I was always told from um, 
a young age by my dad when we was um creeping around when I was a nipper um creeping up on things he said as soon as an animal falls asleep in front of you knowing that you're there you've kind of done a good job there and creeping yeah, up on it definitely it's, it's comfortable enough to close its eyes which i imagine as a wild animal is probably not something you want to do too often when you know you're being crept up on yeah definitely <laughs> now that makes complete complete sense and if you look mm. at your instagram if anyone uh, what's your handle again uh at dan rushton photography so if you look at that it is mostly foxes isn't yeah it? like it's a much, sea, yeah. of, sea of red so what is it about foxes overall the you know because you've done peregrines and mm. deer and other stuff but what is it about foxes that just um, gets you hard in the morning well yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's wrong way of putting it <laughs> Uh, well, I've, I've always been fox mad ever since I was a kid. Um, I don't even know what it was as a child that made me so intrigued by him. Yeah, like I grew up in the countryside, completely uh, immersed in it, kind of Danny Champion of the world esque, <laughs> and I I just couldn't get enough of watching them out in the wild, whether it be him just kind of. A fleeting glimpse of them running across a field, yeah, finding some orange hair on a bit of barbed wire, um, watching them mousing in the um, hay meadows. So that's so for people that don't know, that's is that when they jump and pounce? Yeah, that that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Good, yeah. Used to love watching them do that, and I learned from a very early age again by my dad um, showing me how to call foxes, and um, just having a fox come running straight at you, thinking it's going to get an easy meal. Is that the thing with grass? Uh no, that's for deer. Oh, okay. Calling a fox, you just do with your hand up against your mouth, pull an ugly face, and make a loud, horrible noise. Go on then. Let's do. Let's do. Okay. Can you do one? Can Pressure's you do a fo- on now? Right. <laughs> so that's not that's not meant to be a fox, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. That's um just a kind of uh small mammal distress sound, pretty much. Right. It sounds a lot like a rabbit. Or you can kind of do it a bit quieter. It sound like a little mouse squeaking. I'm just expecting there to be a line of foxes. That would... I'm just looking out. We're, we're currently sat in Dan's living room. I'm just looking out the window because we did see a fox last night. Yeah, didn't we? Last we were walking night. out from the pub. Yeah, and we saw it. one. Yeah. So you never know. They we, might come. we were sober. It, well, it wasn't yeah. a figment. No. Yeah. 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 It was only one point. So we should be. Uh... It was actually just that taxidermy specimen on wheels that I <laughs> photograph in the graveyard. Oh, it's all coming out now, isn't it? Uh, and a lot of what you not so much the foxes I guess but with other wildlife you're mm. you're using hides so when you're putting a hide up what are you looking for in a spot because I know you've done buzzards in the past like yeah. is there like a perfect spot or you just rock it up anywhere yeah well the one good thing about using a hide is you can you can spend more time considering certain aspects like obviously where the light's coming from certain times of the day the background but as far as the position of the hide goes, you can pretty much put a hide anywhere, in my experience. And as long as it's there for long enough, yeah, things will, wildlife just gets used to it. And you're making you're making the hide, or are you getting a pop up? Uh, my buzzard hide that I was working in last year was just it was three pallets screwed together, blacked out inside with some um, black builder's membrane. Uh, I, I spray painted it, camouflaged it, and just spent a lot of time throwing a bunch of dead branches and leaves and bits and bobs around it yeah yeah and that was because that was for buzzards that needed to be like proper they're really spooky yeah, aren't they yeah it, like, i was in the hide for 35 hours over a couple of weekends jesus uh, before <laughs> i took three photos which come out really well i was pleased with them but then after that i spent probably double 
that amount of hours following that. So ten hour average per photo. Yeah, like. and got nothing for the rest of the winter. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> but I I use I have a manky old pop up hide which is just an absolute shambles nowadays. It's a disgraceful thing. <laughs> um, I I use that now and then, but yeah, I I'm not very patient when it comes to sitting still in one spot. No. The way I've usually taken photos and got close to things is by putting the footwork in yeah. and um, walk creeping up on things. Yeah, I don't. I get it, a bit bored. It definitely still. definitely tests your, mm. your well your patience obviously willpower. Yeah. Oh god, it, it can be especially <laughs> in the winter. I've had yeah, the winters shocking. a lot. Absolutely horrendous. Because you're not moving, so you get cold yeah. so quickly. And when there's nothing happening, yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, let's let's not be around the bush quite boring at times yeah very so um and if you're on your own because i guess you're you're yeah you're always on your own as yeah well, aren't you? I'm, I'm not a social thing particularly <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it can be it can be tricky what are what are your thoughts on um on commercial hides <sighs> let's go down that rabbit hole yeah okay so yeah commercial hides i get why people would want to go to them yeah almost <laughs> uh, it's like a like a quick fix you want to get a a quick fix uh fill your memory card then fine i suppose but i just you know it's just never appealed to me i just don't get it i was talking at the pub about it i'd i'd to me the the, the fun of it is setting up your own project yeah the the hours of work that goes into it before you take the photo that's where the skill lies in my opinion yeah and taking the shot but yeah you wouldn't catch me giving my money to someone to sit in someone else's hide not a chance <laughs> i should yeah just to clarify so if people don't know what i mean by commercial hide it's where you know you pay 150 quid or whatever uh for a hide that someone else has set up which is there's a fair few in the uk in fact we've had people on on the podcast before about it and i don't I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's it's not everyone's cup of tea, like you no. say. And we were even talking about this, like the skill, like you could argue there's not a lot of skill if you're mm-hmm. the photographer because everything's done for you. Yeah. Which will yeah. suit some people <clears throat> down to a T. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's not like, obviously what you've done is a, a huge amount of effort and... Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I, I, I have nothing against people, the people that run these hides. No, no, they, they, they've put yeah. a lot of work in. They've got a, yeah. they, they put the work in and... And deserve to get paid for it at the end of the day in one way or another. And if people's willing to throw their money at these people, then good for them. Yeah. Take it. Because really, if you wanted to... I know you don't own the grave. Well, why would you own a grave? <laughs> yeah, but if you wanted to run workshops, you could you could probably make some quick money. Yeah, quite. But absolutely, you, yeah. But you'd, you'd ruin it, wouldn't yeah. you, I guess? Yeah, yeah. No, nah, not a chance. No. I think I've taken you there, another photographer friend of mine, when I first met the my foxes when they were cubs yeah and i've taken sam there once oh have you yeah oh, okay. he popped down um a couple of months at the start of the spring we didn't weren't taking photos just took down took them down there to see yeah um but yeah there's no way i'd um take it any kind of regular person i don't no. know down there well you'd lose chance. you'd lose control and then you only need some mm-hmm. idiot and it would just yeah, yeah. So as soon as I see anyone else walking through the graveyard, I kind of like, if you've got a camera, God help you. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that there's a single thing I could do, because it's a graveyard and anyone's allowed to go there, but 
yeah, I wouldn't be best pleased. It's it's true, <laughs> isn't it? What about um, what about Flash? Do, 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 do thoughts on that? Do you use, you don't really use it? Do you? Uh, no, never. No, I don't even don't even own a flash gun. No, I have one camera body and I have one camera lens, and that's as far as my well, not the minute you don't. Well, do you? <laughs> no, no. I well, I tell a lie. I've got two camera lenses and both of them busted now. I'm I'm real good at destroying gear. It's because you um, use it so much. Well, surely. that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I take really good photos with it all the time. Wears it out. Also, sixteen stone falling on it doesn't help. <laughs> but yeah, I. I'm the most least technical-minded person you will ever meet. I know what works for me. I shoot in aperture priority mode. Yeah. Never take it out of that. No. I adjust the ISO manually. Shoot on f4 pretty much constantly. And that's about it. You've got your way of doing it. Yeah. All, um... Yeah. As far as well, if you look at your Instagram grid, it's all very well sort of. There's, it's the Dan Rushton mm. style. I don't know what you call <laughs> it. The Rushton effect or something no, like that. I like that. Yeah, you can have that. that. But with, I mean, with flash, I, I don't use it a lot, but I know some photographers are quite militant. Like they really mm. hate people using flash. Yeah. And then others are a little bit more lenient on it. And I, I did hear a horror story about someone photographing an owl and it fell out of the tree. Oh, nice. Because the flash just went... It, like, <laughs> it didn't die. It just sort of got back up with a sore head. Not but, ideal. No, not ideal. So <laughs> I think flash, yeah, in certain situations, yeah, fine. But again, yeah. I, I don't use it. Right? I, I'm, like, I'm like you. I'm not a technical photographer. Nah. The camera is an excuse for me to be outside yeah. enjoying animals. Yeah. Not, I'm not like, oh, 16 megabyte, mm, yeah, start touching yeah. myself. You know, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't interest me. Not, nah, not so. Not too into that. Not, yeah, definitely. Uh, any aspects of wildlife photography that, that get on your nerves? Other photographers? Is that? <laughs> I'll go, I'll go, that's sorry. A, <laughs> that's a pretty big aspect of it that bugs me. Yeah. Oh, a lot annoys me, Jack. I'm <laughs> I don't really kindred spirit. Yeah, yeah. I'm just a bit of a miserable old sod these days. But one of the things that gets on my tits is uh, self glorification. Yep. So um, I'll give you an example. I was sat in a hide at a nature reserve near me, and there was a guy uh, caked in real tree. Obviously, oh, it's yeah. caked in real tree. Camouflage. Yeah, that's yeah. one. And um, <laughs> we were in we we're in hide anyway. So what the fuck does it matter? <laughs> but I, I got in, sat down, and he he turned the camera around and went. Isn't this the best photo of a kingfisher you've ever seen? I was like, No, not really. I mean, I've seen better. And he was like, What do you mean you've seen better? I was like, Well, yeah, I have. Yeah. And it wasn't that bad. It was just a kingfisher on a stick. Yeah. But I mean, like, I would never do that. I would never take one of my pictures no. and say, This is amazing. What you need to fucking spunk all over my photo and look. Like, I I would just feel so cringe doing. Yeah. That. Yeah. No, I don't think I've ever been out in the field and. And shown anyone anything from the back of my camera. No, it, it's just not even a thought that ever crossed my mind. It's different. I, I don't get me wrong. I get that some people are proud. Mm. That's fair enough. But there are there are some people who just I don't know want the attention. Or whatever. Yeah. But you get it. You get it also online. Like there's the in person thing. But you will get people just kind of shouting their oh, own. Yeah, for sure. Patting their own back yeah. is probably the polite way yeah. of putting it. But oh no, I'm not a. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm my I, own worst critic. If there's oh, a, 100%. If yeah. there's a fault in my image, believe me, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know it's there. I just don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, in, in the summers, usually, I um, sell photos at um, stalls at country fairs and things like that. And um, one thing I absolutely despise is camera talk. <laughs> you, you can just see, you, can, you, you always spot them a mile off. It's usually some 
small little man dressed head to toe, like you said, in real tree camouflage. At a country just, fair. <laughs> yeah, you see him coming, you think, oh, God. <laughs> if, I, if I can't see you because you camouflage, I can smell you. <laughs> and, um, and there, they always come in, nose around. You know they're definitely never going to put their hand in their pocket. No. It's like, what are you doing in here? Get out. But it's just... You like the crop sensor or the full frame. Yeah, that's, that's one. And yeah. getting told that a 300mm F2.8 is too big to handhold. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you tell me that when you built the size of a 10-year-old boy. <laughs> Have a word with yourself. Too big to hold. And um, the the one thing that really grinds my gears is when people say, I've got a photo like that, and then get their phone out. Yeah, like, oh, you cheeky bastard. Yeah. Are you joking? Yeah. Like, what Shocking. Are you, you go like, even if it is similar to yours, like, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, I've got uh, two nipples, have you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, to be fair, I just just don't like camera talk or no. or if if I'm somewhere and see someone else appear with a camera, I'm usually out of there. Yeah. I just won't even bother hanging around. I'm like, nah. Not I don't. Worth it. Have you done any talks to camera clubs? Have you ever done any of those? No, I was no. meant to do one a couple of years ago on Fieldcraft, I think it was. Oh, okay, but the the. Uh, <laughs> The lady that was organising it died, so... Ah. Yeah. That's one way of she getting it. She took that to the grave with her. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. But, um, In the nicest possible Yeah, no, 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 no. But, um, <laughs> but they, they're obviously pretty bad. You know, the lawyers was on. what yeah. do you think about auto-white balance? And like, oh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, didn't know. even know it was a thing, mate, to be yeah. fair. It's, like, it's, all, it's all in raw. You can fiddle around with that yeah. afterwards, you and know. I, I've been to a couple of camera, um, camera club talks and... They they just seem to be filled with the worst kind of people, the, the sort of people I would never ever want to talk to about photos. To be fair, They're mad for pixel peeping. And, yeah, yeah. And They're keen beans. Very keen. keen beans. Very keen. But perhaps unusually for a wildlife photographer, though, you started off. I don't know if shoot is the right word, but in that kind of world, and it was yeah. it a gamekeeping college you went to. Is that what yeah, yeah. I well, yeah. I went to Sparshot College straight from school. I studied countryside management, but um. Yeah, I I grew up around shooting, yeah. field sports and things like that. Do you think it influenced your photography in any way? Absolutely, yeah, 100%. I know the whole shooting and, and bits of bobs like that is a very controversial subject and and it's something I don't do these days. Uh, I was employed as a gamekeeper, got out of it because within within less than two years, I think, because I just wasn't into the whole culture no not my thing whatsoever but as far as influencing my photography at this point years down the line absolutely 100 percent um all of the field craft that i know that allows me to take the photos i managed to take is all based on the things i learned as a child yeah um doing these sort of things with my with my with my um dad and other people i used to um go out with and work with um, my, my grandparents owned a farm small holding in West Wales when we were kids so all of our summer holidays <clears throat> and any free time we had we'd be we'd be up on the farm and for example if there was a fox up there taking chickens that was then not able to lay eggs that my grandparents would sell at yeah. farmers markets bits and bobs and like that especially lambing season as well something had to be done Yeah, and it's not nice but it's just something that uh, it's it's an, it's it's, it's tricky because I understand why people have issues with wildlife getting shot. Yeah, 
and I'm not too keen on it now, to be fair, unless you are brought up that way and see things through a more, oh, how to explain it, in in that situation, yeah, you, you, you're never going to be able to explain to someone who's not from that no that no, no. different worlds i guess yeah exactly and, you know, yeah it's, it's it's a harder one i mean yeah it's issues are really black and white i mean like so let's if we take an example say deer management mm-hmm. so i'm going to throw some stats at you i'm going to pretend like i'm not reading this <laughs> off my laptop uh, but in the uk it's estimated that there are around 200 accidents involving deer every day yeah 200 accidents and 20 people are killed mm-hmm. per year on average uh, by road collisions with deer they cause 4.5 million pounds worth of damage to plantations and woodland mm-hmm. and 4.3 million pounds damage to crops so i mean there is a massive overpopulation with deer in the uk and the only solution or what one solution is to cull them yeah which it leaves a nasty taste in many people's life uh-huh. and many, many people's mouths but you know i just look at that stat that's 20 people who are dead mm. because of that who if there were less deer yeah wouldn't have died yeah which you can't argue with that no, you know, no, surely. I know that you know every everything has a right to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, four of those there are six species of deer in the UK. Four of them are non-native. Yeah, shouldn't even be here anyway. Yeah, and um, there are nat- you know you can put deer fences up in certain situations, mm-hmm. and there are kind of non-lethal measures. But I think at the end of the day, sadly, a few of them got to get. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and you can eat them. It's not a waste. It's no, not. It's not like not. they're going in a stink no. pit. I mean, yeah. venison is bloody lovely. Yeah, it's so, one of my favourite meats for yeah. sure. It's not all, yeah. I think everyone assumes the man with the gun is the bad guy, but you know, yeah. life's not black and as, as I say Absolutely on this podcast regularly, life is not black and no. white, it's shades of grey. And I yeah. think you've got to kind of go in with a, yeah. a slightly and, open mind of it. And, and growing up, coming from a rural background and involved in shooting and farming and things like that, but also being so passionate about wildlife, it was always very tricky to kind of make people see that the two aren't polar opposites no well it's amazing how much that you know because i mean i I work a lot with with fishermen Mm. and then obviously wildlife people but i get to see people who shoot as well it's amazing how much they have in common yeah so much in common but there's what you've almost got that wall Uh because you're like well i i'm a i'm a shooter so i'm not mixing with these these vegan bloody blah arsehole and then you've got the other guys that the more wildlifey rspb Uh whatever you want to call them on the other side and they're like, well, they're just killing stuff for the sake of it and shooting yeah. hen harriers. And, and it's like they've already got these preconceived notions, mm-hmm. so they're going in with their backs up almost. That's, yeah, yeah. It, both sides are more or less blinded by their own bias. They're as bad as one That's another a great on both sides. Yeah. They're as bad as one another. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not something I ever really openly talk about unless asked yeah. about shooting when I was younger and bits and bobs like that. Yeah. And occasionally I still I still do, but... That's pure. Anything that I do take is for food these days. It's for the table. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But when I was younger, I and I was at college studying countryside management. I'd done countryside management because all I wanted to do was work for the RSPB or the Wildlife Trust. Yeah. And I, I worked as a voluntary a, a voluntary ranger or warden for both charities down here in Dorset. Yeah, it was just very hard to make the two sides of the coin work together. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was just it was very people just couldn't see that you could do both. And I um, guess if there's no dialogue, nothing's gonna nothing's no, exactly, gonna change. Yeah. You've got to both come to the table yeah. and, and sort something out. If you're yeah. not gonna talk. It's it's funny because the amount of times that um I 
get messages about my fox photos. It's, oh, you've got such a brilliant relationship with them. I don't see how people could ever hurt them, blah, blah, blah. And then they're, they're almost, in, in some cases, rightly so, berating people that do hurt wildlife. For example, fox hunting, mm. not keen. No. <laughs> like, what is the point? It's just an excuse for rich idiots to get away with breaking the law. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not cool. But then you get people saying this and, and berating people that have, have shot a fox before. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, you're saying all these things that about me, to me, or you love the foxes, this, that and the other. It's very clear that I do. I do love me foxes down in the graveyard and any other fox I've ever photographed. But then on the flip side of that coin, I have killed foxes. Yeah. So is that not clear? Like, does that not show people that the two can maybe yeah, yeah, exist? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's even hard to get across with words. Yeah, it's, I know. Um, I can see you stumbling a bit. It's Yeah. But I guess when you've done that, again, you've not done that for pleasure. No, you're not. No, it's no. not like you're not going out to shoot that fox. I'm going to kill a fox and put yeah. its head on my wall. <laughs> Presumably, that's because that fox was, like you said earlier, like eating eating chickens. I don't know. Some, yeah. some sort of yeah, being a a potential problem for something. I guess. Yeah, but then even so, people say it's it's no reason to kill anything. Yeah. which I get. Like yeah, I see it. The older I get, the more I I'm probably more leaning toward the left with that sort of yeah sentiment. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a tricky one, and I guess very. unless people are, like you say, if they're not from that world, mm. it's going to be very difficult to make them understand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, and going back to the the, the fieldcraft aspect aspect of it, and the, the way it's kind of developed in my style of photography, um, if I hadn't have done all of that um, from a, from pretty much my earliest memories, then. I, I don't even imagine I would have ever picked up a camera because I wouldn't have been getting half as close to anything as I ever have done. No. Um, and not to toot my own horn, but I don't think there's really that many people doing wildlife photography out there that have come from a kind of similar background, to be fair. I've never met anyone. No one's who's open about it. Yeah. You know, there might very well be, but I don't yeah. know anyone who's like, well, yeah, yeah I used to shoot. Uh, wildlife, and then mm. uh, then I've gone into more with the slightly more of the camera side, but I'm not aware of anyone. No, I guess perhaps because they're a little bit frightened of backlash. I don't know. Yeah, but the, the point is, I guess as well, you're this isn't a, a living for you, is it? You're no, a, no. I hate using the word amateur because it makes you sound lesser, but it, because am, all amateur means is that's not your income. Doesn't mean you're not yeah. good because you know Dan's photography is absolutely phenomenal. And then when you see people who who do make a living out of it and they're shite so you know it's being an amateur is not necessarily an insult it no, just means that you don't no, make your, if, your coppers from if it if anything i just it just kind of a bit of pocket money a bit of beer money yeah now and then i try to make it pay for itself uh, as far as the equipment yeah costs which in my my <laughs> you've got to sell a few prints haven't you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my case is quite a lot of money uh replacing busted bits of gear because i'm also a, a pretend adult because i'd have no form of insurance <laughs> oh god so, yeah, it's not, not um, great. <laughs> your heart sinks a bit. Yeah. And if you haven't guessed by Dan's accent, he's a, a, a Dorset. What do you call someone from Dorset? Um, that's, a, that's a bad setup for a joke, isn't it? But yeah. Dorsonian? Uh, no. Hero. Hero. Uh, <laughs> Just all dream legend. Dreamboat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll try not to swoon too much over you. 
But you've you've lived in Dorset pretty much your whole life. Yeah, my whole life. Yeah, and you've not done a lot of photography outside of it, really. Have no, you? no, Cairngorms, and that's it. That's it. So, yeah. is there a UK species that you'd like to photograph that you haven't yet? Yeah, plenty. I would love to photograph Merlins. Oh, okay. Up in Shetland. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we, we tiny get, little things. Yeah, we get them passing through the harbour in the, in the winter. I see them quite regular during the winter. I've taken one shocking photo of it from about a mile away. A little male um, come across. That, that's certainly not a commercial thing, is it? Because, well, I, I'm, I don't know how many people would want to buy a photo of a Merlin. Yeah. Not to knock Merlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see you getting red in your eyes and <laughs> kick, kick the shit out of me. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I guess Joe Public's probably. Never even heard of a Merlin. No, you know. No, yeah. I like to. I like to get some good shots of some Merlin. To be, I don't really have a, a bucket list of no. Okay. Of wildlife, I just, I just whatever's there. Yeah, is, I'm, I'm, it's fine by me. That's probably a better way to be because you're not yeah. obsessing. You know, no, like exactly, you see like yeah. some birders and they're yeah. almost sweating from the, <laughs> yeah. the. You know, they see like a. Oh, really yeah, because yeah, I've, I've I've barely ever left the Shire. To be fair. I don't like going places. <laughs> I like the familiar, and and here in Dorset, especially where I am on the south coast, we're um we're so spoiled for choice. We've got a bit of everything. We've got the lowland heath. Yeah. We've got ancient woodlands. We've got the Jurassic Coast right on the doorstep. It's one of my favourite counties, Dorset. There's so much. Yeah. Here. You know, you've got the, like you say, sea land. Everything. Yeah. Oh, and the accent is just to die for <laughs> well I, you know what i i never knew what because i i've only ever met people from dorset who are uh relatively upmarket, shall we say oh. so i didn't realize that dorset had a different what side a shock uh, when it's like it's west full-on west country really is not not let's not say west country we don't would you not consider it west country i don't know no personally not you, oh, you say West Country there, you savages that just eat rotten apple juice. <laughs> no, we don't. We're different. Oh, I don't know, mate. You've got a bit of a, a twang. I'm not sure. Yeah, we've we've got at least something in between our ears down here in Dorset. <laughs> Further west you go, you're not too sure. <laughs> and on that note, disparaging uh, a few of our listeners, we'll leave it. But look, pleasure to chat to you, buddy. Always, always. Cheers. That was Dan Rushton. Dan is so passionate about his subjects and really puts the time in to get natural images of them. If you haven't already, check out his Instagram at Dan Rushton Photography. And if you hadn't guessed, we were actually in the same room recording that, which is unusual because 99% of these podcasts are, um, are via Zoom. And I really like the rapport you get when you meet people. But the practicality is I'm not going to be able to go to everyone's house. It just happened that I was staying with Dan. I thought, oh, he'd be amazing for a podcast. Uh, but I am going to try and do more in-person podcasts because they're um, they have a different quality to them. I think when you when you're actually in the room with someone. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at TitBearded and there's a Facebook page, the Bearded Tits Podcast. Next week I have Ellie and Ben from the Wildlife Garden Podcast as we chat about you guessed it, wildlife gardening, specifically ten plants you should have in your garden. Five that I've chosen, going to be a little bit out there, probably not what you're going to expect, and five that Ellie and Ben... Oh, God. Sorry about that. It's a Rick and Morty but um, Ellie and Ben. So I can't wait to natter about that in my own back garden. We're going to do that in person as well. This has been the Bearded Tits Podcast. I've been Jack Perks, and I'll catch you next Tuesday. Cheers. <laughs>